welcome to this Sunday morning meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Paul Abel. Okay, so last week I began with uh, the first verse in Luke chapter 5, which says, uh, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding round him, and the, uh, the, I'm going to put the right teeth in, I think. With the people crowding round him and listening to the word of God. And one of the key things that just leapt out of that for me, which is what we were talking about last week, is that listening to the word of God. That is absolutely vital. Now, that led last week to talking about spiders and cobwebs. Um, and the, the verse uh, that I found in Job said, What they trust in is fragile. What they rely on is a spider's web. They lean on the web and it gives way. They cling to it, but it does not hold. Surely God does not reject the one who is blameless. He will yet fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouts of joy. And then from Ephesians, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In other words, we are those people that God will fill our mouths with laughter and our lips with shouts of joy. And we had that extended uh, ministry time last week at the end, really to just give everybody the opportunity to shout for joy. Uh, if you didn't, if you needed to go off and do something and left it, it's worth going back and just being part of that shout for joy. Okay, so this week, spiders and cobwebs last week, this week, fish and nets, which we'll come on to. Uh, spiders and cobwebs, the whole thing about the spider in that passage is if you grab hold of a spider's web, you'll just fall over. It's nothing substantial. It can look very substantial. It can look beautiful, let's admit, in the, in, the, in the morning with the light shining off it and things like that, or perhaps when you get frozen bits of ice on them. They can, a cobweb can look stunning. Not usually so stunning when they're in your house up in the ceiling, eh? But if you grab them, there's nothing there. It's insubstantial. And what the word is saying in through the book of Job there is that if you try and grab hold of the things that are not from the word of God, are not based on the word of God, it's, well, it's like grabbing hold of a cobweb. You think it's substantial because it's intricate. It may have even taken a long time to create. It may have even, for the spider, it's probably achieved its aim of catching flies and feeding it. So it's not that a cobweb is uh, nothing, it's there, it's real, uh, but it's things that in our lives that are not really based on the Word of God, but have been built into our lives. They're the false thinking and the, and the misunderstanding. And the, the, the way to get over that is to do what these people were doing here with Jesus. They were listening to the Word of God. Because if you listen to the Word of God, if you really listen, then you change things, which is what repentance is. You change the way you live because you're going to ba- you want to base your life on what it says rather than cobwebs. You know, if a parent says to a child, go and tidy your room, and the child says, yes, I heard you, I will, but doesn't, they haven't really heard. You know, they heard the words, but they haven't heard the instruction because they aren't doing it. They're ignoring it. That's not really listening, is it? That's just you've heard it. Or say an employer says to an employee, I'd like you to get this done for me. And the employee says, yep, heard and understood, but it doesn't get done. That employee hasn't really heard the employer. They've just made a response, probably to keep the employer quiet at that moment. But they haven't really listened because if they'd listened and they've been given something to do and they don't do it, that is not listening. 
And that's the kind of listening we're talking about as disciples and followers of Jesus. It's right, that's the word of God. How does this affect me? How does this change me? It's, um, it's a kind of, it's, that's the sort of thing we should ask every time we're reading the Bible or we're hearing the word preached like right now. It's that question. How does this affect me? How does this affect us? What changes do I need to make? It's sometimes easier to think they need to change and they need to change and they need to change. But Change in a community happens because individuals change. And ultimately, we're the only people who can be responsible for ourselves to the Word of God, not somebody else. Don't make it somebody else's job to hold you accountable to the Word. That's just a complete uh, false premise that right there, because what you're doing, if you're waiting for somebody else to tell you something about the Word or to bring some correction to you, you're, you're putting them between you and God and you're you're uh, taking away the intimacy you can have with Jesus. I mean, people do it because I get it. it you know, we, we, we can be ashamed to talk about God of something we've done or not done. And so we don't want to go and face God with it. But of all people, of all beings in the entire universe, there is only actually the Holy Trinity that will put up with you completely and utterly because they don't just put up with you. They are in absolute not desperation because they're not desperate, but they're so passionate about you. They so powerfully want to live in that complete reconciliation that, that, that they want you to go with them with, with the shameful stuff and the things you've done wrong because they want a real relationship with you. And when you're angry with God, because sometimes we just do, I mean, it's daft really, isn't it? It's never really God's fault, but we do. You know, we can just get fed up with God that he's the one that's always right and we're always wrong. Um, but when it's like that, it, he's still the person to go to. He's going to say, well, I'm not, I'm not talking to you until you get over yourself. He wants to be with you. I mean, he does want you to get over yourself as well, but uh, he still wants that connection with you. Because if we're full of ourselves, it spoils that connection. All right, so here we are. Not grabbing hold of cobwebs, but trying to build our life on the Word. Now, the other thing that happens when we read the Word is there's different ways that the Holy Spirit can show us what God is saying. Okay? So one is you're going to read the story or the narrative. You're going to read what's there on the page. And one thing you can do is think about, well, what was, it at, what was actually happening at that moment in time? I mean, and it doesn't matter if it's a gospel story, although that's often easier to connect with in that way. It might be an Old Testament prophet speaking. So you want to know, well, who was he actually speaking to at that time? What was the situation going on? Because the marvelous thing about the Bible is it's absolutely rooted in history. You know, this story here that we're in Luke 5 is not just a story. This happened. This went on. Jesus was walking and teaching around Lake Galilee. This is no, uh, no inspirational story. This, this, is a, this is a reality. So we can look into, well, what were the people living like? What was it like to be there? It's one of the great things. I mean, obviously not right now, but if you ever get the opportunity to be able to travel to Israel, it's just sort of an incredible feeling standing next to Lake Galilee. You know, it's like, Wow. And the, the, probably the most exciting thing is looking around at the hills because they're going to be, even though it's 2,000 years, they're going to be similar, if not the same, to the very hills that Jesus saw when he looked up over the crowd. Isn't that an incredible thought? I mean, you can see Capernaum. 
You can, there's, there's the remains of the house, which is called Simon Peter's mother-in-law's house in Capernaum. Uh, they think it's that because it's a house that's been extended, and it looks like it's been extended for people to be able to meet there. Um, and there's signs that an early church met there. So they, it's predicted that that's Simon Peter's mother-in-law's house, the very house that Jesus went in and reached out the hand to the woman, and she got up and made food. You know, that's listening to the word of God, of course, though, because he, he heals her with the word and he reaches out and pulls up her hand and she decides to put her healing into action. And the first thing she does then is serve by making food for the people that are there. I mean, she's just recovered from a serious illness. Bang, she's, she's serving the Lord because she wants to act upon the word of God that's actually even healed her body. I mean, Jesus is the word. We call him the word. And the word has healed her. And so she immediately does something with the word. And you could look into what it was like to live then and all these kinds of things. We could go into that in great depth. We're not, we're not going to right now. We can also look with a lot of scripture as how this speaks to the end times, the time that is to come when Jesus returns to us. A lot of the Old Testament prophecy are a prophecy for the people there and then, but they often also speak into the return of Christ. When Daniel sees the Son of Man in the clouds, it's talking, he's talking about Jesus. And then in between those two events, where it is actually in the Bible and where it, where, where it speaks into the end, is also, what does it mean now? What does it say to the church now? Sometimes people, there's, there's a common, oh, what does it say to me now as well? It's because that's listening to the word, because I want to put this into action. There'll be something from today, maybe more than one something, that the Holy Spirit wants you to say, yes, that's mine. This is what I'm going to do with it. This is the change I'm going to make. But it's not just this morning. It's any time we are engaging with the Word of God. Maybe it's through your way of, the Spirit, way of the Spirit Bible study group. Maybe it's when you're doing a house church Zoom. But certainly when someone preaches, this is the whole purpose of preaching the Word of God and we're all gathered together. It's because we want to hear it for us and to hear it for us as a community and our part in that community, not just as a self-building thing, but also so that we can, when we hear the Word of God to put into practice, it's to enable us to connect with God, it's to enable us to connect with one another, but it's also very much to connect with what God is doing in the neighbourhood and in the community. It's hearing God for that. Sometimes that third one is the one that gets missed out. What is God doing? There's a Latin expression called the missio dei, which means the mission of God. God is already, what it refers to is the fact that God is already active in every community, not just in the church. So sometimes we're just recognizing what God is already doing and joining in with him. Okay, the, the, the initiative to reach out and make connection doesn't come from us. It comes from God. It comes from God, right at the beginning in Genesis, throughout the ultimate reconciliation and reconnection in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who's now sat at the right hand of the Father, so that we can be all reconnected when Jesus comes back and we move into the next age. Okay, so it's hearing this word of God. And the people, it says, were listening to the word of God. I wonder how many of them were going to take what Jesus was saying and put it into practice. How many were truly Truly listening. Right, let's go back into this story a little bit further, where, which is what we didn't do last week. Uh, see if we can get to the fish in the nets. 
again, listening to the word of God. Jesus saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, that's Peter, of course, and asked him to put out a little from the shore that he sat down and taught people from the boat. It would have made a, a beautiful, natural amphitheater because the water would have reflected the sign, uh, not the sign, the sound back at the people on the shore. Jesus was making the most of the, of the natural situation to bring a supernatural word from God into the, into the hearts of those people listening. And he was just making good use of what was there. And so he, there he is in the boat, and he, he brings this word of God. And now he's going to show Peter what it means to really listen to the word of God. We don't actually know what he says. Uh, none of the Gospels really give us any of those details in, in detail. Uh, here, Luke just has told us that he's taught, he's been teaching the word. And then when he had finished speaking, Jesus said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. I think there is a word here that speaks to us today because when we're looking at the Word of God and we've got these different contexts that I mentioned, when it's to us, it's to equip us and to enable us. And very often the Word of God is preparing us for what is to come, what is next. Now, I did a series on YouTube last year called Church Reset. And Church Reset is something that still very much is talked about in church circles. Some even talk about a hard reset. I'll tell you one reason I don't... I, I understand what people are trying to say. They're just trying to say we've got to be looking to what God is doing. We just have to be careful with a hard reset because I don't believe it is a hard reset. If you do a hard reset on a piece of equipment, particularly a computer, but normally any piece of equipment, the idea of the hard reset is to completely set it back to the factory settings, the factory conditions, the maker's intention. Well, that sounds really good. We do. We need to make sure the church is running with the maker's intentions. Absolutely. That's what church reset is. It's, it's not about doing everything different. It's about seeing what the maker's instructions are. But the problem with the concept of a hard reset is it wipes out Everything else that you'd put on your phone, say, all those apps that were very useful to you are gone. And you can go and re-download them. But what it does do is if your phone has got apps or programs on it or your computer that are making it not run properly or causing it to stumble, that's good. It gets rid of those, but it kind of gets rid of everything. And I want you to know God is not getting rid of everything. He's done a lot of work in you. He's very good at identifying the false apps and the false programs and the ones causing trouble. They're cobwebs, all right? They're things that we've held on to, and he wants to reveal to us these things. But it doesn't just mean, oh, we've got to do things different because we've got to do things different. Some things may be completely different, and certainly when we start meeting again, things are going to look quite different to what they did in February 2020. A year ago, wow, more than a year ago now, it's March. Things will look different uh, just because we've changed. God's been working in us. There's been things he's doing in us. And the whole purpose of church reset in this time is to make sure the church is listening to God, listening to his word. It's like the whole Numbers 13 thing is the same thing. It's 
God said to Moses, listen to what God is saying and follow God. And there we had the whole thing that went wrong when they looked to the leader and not to God and his word with Moses. That's why they ended up wanting to kill him. So, stone him. So when we look into the word, it's like, what is God saying now? Not to strip out all the good of the past, but sometimes God does show us apps, programs that are running within us, that are causing us to not live in the full freedom that God has actually given to us. For some, it can be a little app that's, that's running, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough. You know, that's a good program to be wiped out. It's nothing to do with how good we are. It's that God has made us righteous and pure and holy before him. And there'll be many other things that you can think of. It's ways that the program runs often in your mind that instead of building you closer to God, takes you away from him. That's what we're talking about in Reset. Not, not just, oh, well, we need to do everything different. And I think that's really important to get that impression over because, you know, I've heard some people sort of say, well, we won't be doing that anymore because it's been reset. Well, we may be, we might not be. That may be a, an activity that is of God and, and wants to continue to be of God. I... Let's have a little bit look at what's going on again, particularly within the view of what, what is God doing in us now that's for the next step. It's even more important to be thinking about the next step. Even though it's vague, even though dates aren't certain, we, we want to be thinking, but not just thinking, oh, what's the church going to do? We are the church. I am the church. You are the church. It's what am I doing that's involved in this? It's so easy to look there. If you ever hear someone talk to you and say, they, they need to, you know we're losing part of the picture if we're talking about the church, because there's no they, really. Obviously, you can talk about a group of, within the church and say they, but if you just start talking about they generally, the problem is you've forgotten that the they is you. We are the they. There is no they. The church leadership really is not a they. It's just a we, everyone. The, the corona leadership team is not a they. they. They need to get thinking about that. They need to get, because so, really it's a we. Do you get what I mean? It's that sense of us being us, albeit fulfilling the different roles that God has given us. What will God be giving us as we come back? One thing that's certain from this story that I think God is showing to us, well, two things. One, let's identify any old cobwebs that just need to be blown out of the way and get, get cleaned up. But two, what things are actually good or can be put in place now? Because what happens with Peter is he's been probably listening to Jesus because Jesus is in his boat. doesn't say whether Peter's there or he's still mending his nets uh, and washing his nets. We don't know, but certainly someone's with um, him. But then he says to Simon, so it's likely he is in the boat with him, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. This was very much the reset from hearing the word. This was very much the next action. And to Peter, it would have been flipping irritating because the nets had just all been washed. They'd already been doing the work at the proper time, which if you want to go and fish in Lake Galilee for the fish that they were catching, you fish at night because that's when the fish come and are available to be caught. You don't go out in the daytime. And here is this 
prophety, priesty, evangelistic person telling him, go fishing again in the daytime. And you've probably heard this story, you know, more than once and, and, and looked at what's happening and what's going on in Peter's mind right now. But one thing we know, because we know Peter, is he wasn't thinking, oh, hallelujah. We just know, because Peter wasn't like that. He was thinking, this is flipping irritating. You know, what, what's he talking about? Why are we going to, we got, we, we've, the, everything's clean. We've done that. Give us something different to do. And here, Jesus wasn't giving them anything different to do. He was giving something that was exactly the same. Now, from the exactly the same, except it was at a different time, was going to come something that would bring revelation of what was next. But sometimes people want the revelation of what is next before God gives them the understanding in what they're already doing. And this is absolutely important. You don't just stop doing things or change doing things because you want the next. God usually speaks into the next from what we're doing right now. And God will be speaking to us right now, when it, whatever we're doing, for what is to come. But what we are doing as we emerge from this might look an awful lot like going out fishing when we've already washed the nets. We've done that. It didn't work that well. They've been out all night. They've obviously not caught the fish like they're supposed to. Their expectation was of a lot of fish, and they've got none. And now Jesus wants them to go and fish at a time when it isn't good for fishing anyway. He wants them to get all the nice clean nets that they've done all dirty again. They'll have to wash them all again. But Peter does say, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but... Because you say so, I will let down the nets. What are your nets? Coming out of this, church reset, what are your nets? There might, there's going to be things that God asks us to do that are the same. You think, I thought it was church reset. I thought everything was going to be new. I mean, there will be new things and new ways of doing it. But you know what? We're still going to be worshipping. We're still going to be praying. We're still going to be fellowshipping. We're still going to be evangelizing. And the way we do it might even look remarkably similar or not. That's not the important thing. The important thing is what is God saying? The reset will be we're cutting out all the cobwebs so that when we do even something identically, suddenly the, fit, the nets are full because we listen to the word, even when the word doesn't seem to make sense. The word doesn't make sense to Peter right now. Jesus is not making any sense. Go fishing in the day. It's just nonsense. It's not what you do. It's like going surfing in Peace Home Park. You know, if I, if, I, <laughs> if I say to our friend Jared just over there, let's go surfing in Peace Home Park. He quite rightly is going to think, what an idiot. He's going to tell me next that they do do some practice lessons. But no, no. <laughs> Knowing nothing about surfing. It's, it's, it's on that kind of level, though, to Peter. He said, well, you don't do fishing at this time of day. Okay, but because you've said it, we'll do it. The big difference in this analogy is that I'm not Jesus. So if I say to Jared, let's go surfing in Peace Home Park, he's probably quite wise to say, I don't think that's a great idea. Uh, what about if we do it in the sea? 
Okay. Uh, before I just get my, my analogies completely and utterly mixed up, I will leave that one now. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, we've worked hard. We have worked hard, haven't we? We have worked hard. It's one of the amazing, brilliant things about this particular congregation is so many people have worked hard. Let's face it, they have. So many people, so many things that we've done, and except not in the same way in the past year, but you know, so many people have worked hard to make things happen. And we'd have loved the nets to be a lot more full, wouldn't we? We'd love more people to know Jesus. And I believe God is saying now is the time. But how do we, how do, we do what God's called us to do? We've got to listen to the word. And listening to the word means listening to God and doing it. Not listening to the word or listening to somebody else. Or, or trying to get, you know, refinement through the God channel or Revelation TV or whatever. It's, right, what has God said? And what is the pattern? What, what is the God-given pattern for when you are hearing God? To share it with those that you live amongst because they really know you. Joyce Mayer doesn't know you. God can speak to you through her, and she does some great teaching. But if you want things to really get activated in your life, it's when God and you and God work together with the people that God has placed you among. You say, well, I'm sure Joyce Mayer knows a lot more than they do. That may be the case. But what we want to hear is God through our friends and people. And there, you want the friends that will say to you, I don't think that's right. I'm not sure that that's God. You know, one of, the, one of the problems of the time that we're going through right now is that we're living with a level of anxiety that we're not used to. We're living with a stress that we're just not used to. We're all stressed and we're all anxious in one way or another. And so the problem is we could end up tiptoeing around one another because you don't want to say anything that's going to upset someone. Because it's easy to upset one another right now because we're all a bit on edge. Uh, and we don't want to do that. But actually, in reality, we need friends that can say to us, that's not right, and we know they still love us. We need to allow God to mature us so that when friends or leaders say to us, I don't think that's from God, we don't immediately feel like a failure and ashamed because the two are not connected. The two are just the body of Christ being the body of Christ. It's, it's getting out the nets, even when you think that's not a good idea. It's having a friend like Jesus say, who will say to you, this is what you really need to be doing. This is what I feel God is saying. That will happen. And sometimes you're going to be like, what? I mean, I'm not talking about somebody comes and says something to you that's off the wall you know, completely and you just immediately do it because that's exactly the kind of thing you test with more people and you hear God together. Uh, Peter's situation is slightly different because Jesus is standing next to him. But there are situations, usually the smaller ones, where God speaks to us and we can just respond in the moment. Go and talk to that person. Give that person a phone call. Why not send a text to? And I'm not, don't put this together with the correction thing. I'm not saying, oh, suddenly send texts of correction to people. That's not going to love people. That's not going to be great. That's just going to cause a lot of trouble. Uh, and in fact, I'm not really emphasising words of correct, correct, correction at all, only that we need to allow that to be built. 
Because that kind of thing, that's when you really need the face-to-face contact, isn't it? Even a, even a phone call. And, and we can be very gentle about it too, even when it's necessary. But don't make your application to bring words of correction to lots of people because I can assure you that's not what God's saying to you. In fact, bringing something that you believe is from God that is kind of correction is very rare. And it will usually be to confirm to that person something that they know they need to do. Or that they've just absolutely, for a long time, to be honest, quite often refused to listen to God. And so he starts to use other methods. The whole point here is to allow others to speak to us. Very often, though, what happens is when we're talking to others, God speaks to us and challenges us without that person even realizing They just think they're having a conversation and something that sort of really goes into you and think, oh, I need to do something about that. And it's at that point we we can make a choice because whenever whenever there's a challenge from God, we always have a choice to repent and think, right, I'm going to try and do that. Or usually it involves getting annoyed with somebody else. A lot of people... Do it myself. We, we all do it. We, we deflect the challenge from God and blame others so it's not our fault. Because if it's somebody else's fault, we haven't got a change. I don't believe you if you say that's never happened to you personally. It's, it's, it's human nature. But it's starting to recognize that's what we're doing. To take back what we're trying, where we're trying to blame somebody else and to take it back to God and be sorted. I mean, very occasionally as well, God even brings a word to us through somebody who is rather annoying or offensive. It's amazing. You know, God used a donkey. God can use anything and any situation to talk to us. That's not your excuse to say that person's a donkey because they brought that word to me. Um, But this is a time of putting out the nets again. And, you know, what are your nets and where are you going to put them? What is it that God's done in you that is beginning to reveal to you there's a place to put nets? Because we're we're not, this isn't just going to be a time when we do like, all right, this means we're going to do big evangelistic events. No, we're not. This is a time for every Christian, every friendship group, every house church to be thinking about what does this mean, nets, for us? What does it really mean? And not run away from the question. It's not saying, well, even in house churches, we're going to do evangelistic events either. It's just looking at what nets we've already got. Or maybe we'll be picking them up again because we haven't used them during lockdown or during the pandemic. But it's looking at the things we have and using them, but using them saying with an expectation that the word of God is, is saying, that net's going to be full, like what happens here. Let's read on. Simon, let's go back to Simon answering Jesus. Master, we've worked hard all day, all night, and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, so important that bit, I will let down the net. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. In other words, they needed more partners. And more partners, all the people that thought they'd finished and the boats were dry and the nets were washed, were having to come back onto the lake during the daytime when they should normally be resting and work. 
And it's going to be a bit like this. Our expectation of what God is going to do is it's too big. You're going to need your partners. It's your partners in the, in the church here. It's the partners in groups that you operate in. It's the partners in your house church. It's the partners in the technical team. It's the partners in what you're doing. It's, it's the partners in, your, in, in anything that you're involved with. And then it breaks out of that. And it's the partners in other congregations and other partnerships that can happen in town that we can be part of to enable these things to happen. There's so much we do and have done as a church, where without partners, it could not happen. Sometimes it's that the partners are providing financial resources, like the the police and crime commissioner has has, put money into our initiatives like the Street Angels and the Safe Haven. We literally could not do it without the resource, and our partners have enabled that to happen. Children in need have enabled a lot of the extra things we do with our youth angels to happen. We can have other partners and we can look for those partners going forward. But the one thing that's certain is where are you going to put your nets? And what are you going to take hold of? Here, Peter, even though it's like you don't do this in the daytime and I'm tired and we've already washed the nets, he takes hold of the word, not the cobweb, and suddenly there's fish. And this is the difference between taking hold of cobwebs which are old, irrelevant apps and programs, and taking hold of the Word of God, which are the things that God has said to us and is saying to us, and we realize, I can take action on this again. I'm gonna, I need to get back involved. But the, it's going to be a different time. It's going to be night and day, literally. It might even not seem like this is going to be a good time to do that, like it seemed to Peter. But the Lord is saying to us, and this is where Scripture then becomes a prophetic word to us in the now, and I believe this is a prophetic word to the church right now, is that this is going to be the time of letting those nets down again. Maybe it's not in exactly the same way. It's going to be night and day in terms of when we're doing it or what's going on. But it's time to have absolutely full nets and to call other partners to happen. Not even just one or two partners, because if we don't have enough, the boats are just going to sink. We won't be able to cope. And this is the prophetic message that Jesus is giving through the very ordinary circumstances to Simon Peter. Just as we come to the end of what I'm saying today, let's just have a a look at how this story, how this account finishes here. So they caught all these fish. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man, like Isaiah in the temple you know, that suddenly realize he's not worthy to be before God. Peter suddenly realizes he's having a revelation of who Jesus is and what's been going on in his own attitude and his own mind. He's suddenly realizing, yeah, if you say go fish in the day, if you say put the nets down right now, that means something's going to happen because it's you that's making it happen. All of this is going through his head and he feels ashamed that perhaps he feels ashamed at the way he responded to him. Maybe there was a, oh, but because you say, all right, it's you, I better do it, hadn't I? I mean, I've responded to God like that too, haven't you? Oh, I suppose I better, it's God. But if it's really God, then we wouldn't dare to respond to it like that, would we? <laughs> and when we suddenly realise, it's like, oh God, I'm sorry. I mean, the app that's running incorrectly here is Peter saying, get away from me. But he doesn't understand what's going to happen at the cross and all that that is to come. 
He thinks he's blown it with Jesus and his shame is coming upon him. Disappointment in himself is coming upon him. A little bit of fear and anxiety about what he's done in the presence of God. Maybe he's got that, even that revelation at the moment. And he's like, get away from me. I can't possibly be in your presence. I'm just not good enough for you. Because he doesn't understand the cross. Which is not surprising because it hasn't happened yet. All, for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they'd taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. That was the partner boat that was nearly sinking. So then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. The core of all of Simon saying, get away from me, is fear. The core of a lot of things where we don't experience the fullness of God is fear. Fear is a horrible thief. It can steal so many of the good things that God has for us. And fear is the opposite of trusting in God, really. That's not to condemn people with fear. Jesus is not condemning Jesus right now. In fact, he just says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So in the midst of addressing the very core thing of, of the fear, Jesus is actually telling Simon what, how his whole life is going to be and what he's, what, what he's going to be doing in his whole life. And it was the revelation of how God would build on the fishing with nets so that he would be fishing, literally presenting the gospel to people so that people could be reconciled to God. The nets weren't going to be uh, filled with fish from the lake. They were going to be filled with people that actually did have the revelation of who Jesus was and what had been done at the cross. And verse 11 says, So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything and followed him. And yeah, sure, there's going to be stuff where we do leave things behind. But the call to leave things behind comes from the call of where we are and what we're doing and what's going on in our lives right now. And here is a short gospel account that in people's own personal walks with God, rather than taking what must have taken, I don't know, from the preaching to the fishing to, the, to this commission, a couple of hours, maybe longer, maybe Jesus preached for hours, but certainly was happening within one day. In our lives, moving from the, put the fish in the, sorry, put the nets back in the sea, because I've told you to, to the, uh, pull up your boats and go and do something completely different. It can be a walk and a journey, even over a long period of time. I'm not talking about waiting to follow him, that's a completely different matter. Obviously, we respond, when, when we become Christians, we're saying, yes, I will follow you and will do as you say. But often the do as you say bit actually begins with putting the nets in the water and catching the fish and getting on with where, where we were and what we were doing. And then God will bring revelation of things that will change. But you don't just throw everything out and say, okay, what do you want me to do now, God? Because what he wants you to do might be the very things you're doing. Shopping at the same shops that you've always shopped at so you get to know some of the people. Going along to that same hairdressers again that you always go to so you get to know some people. Being part of a club, doing surfing so you get to, and running the shop. You know, so you get to know people, so they can begin to see you as a person, so that when you get the opportunities to talk to them, and God will give you them, they are fruitful because people are able to hear you because they can see there is a consistency in your life and they've got to know you a bit. There are so many voices out there. Really, why should anybody listen to what you say about Jesus? There's an awful lot of 
verses that say, not verses, sorry, there's an awful lot of people out there that say Jesus never existed or that Jesus was evil or that or, or Jesus is false or it's all, it's, there's a lot of voices. So why should people listen to you? What gives you the right? If somebody, if you're a Christian right now and somebody comes up to you today and is trying to encourage you to get into something completely different, I don't want to pick on anything because it would be a bit unfair. Let's, let, let's say the Church of Wet Wipes, all right? And they're very enthusiastic about the Church of Wet Wipes. It's because there's some over there that cleaned this before I stood it. It's, it's something, you know, the Church of Wet Wipes is amazing. You need to get it. They're so reliable. They will mean everything to you. It's about the wet wipe cleansing your life, that you can live a life free from all the dirt that's been in it. And you'll be thinking, this is, this is, this, you know, and it's got nothing to do with Jesus. You'll be thinking, I don't want to listen to that person. I don't want to take on board. I mean, if we, if we, if, if we have experience and we know, we know actually it's useful to listen to what the person is saying because actually you want to show them respect for who they are. This is, I know I've predicted on something facetious, but the church of wet wipes might mean a lot to that person. They may have been brought up in it all their life. They may have changed their lives to be part of it. So if you don't listen to them and at least give them the, the time of day, why should they listen to you? Because you've got a church of Jesus Christ. Well, you have to often earn a place where people will listen a bit further because they know you as a person. And then the great trick is, if the only reason you do things is to make connections, to get people to Christians, then you're being manipulative anyway, and it's still not going to work. <laughs> what a catch. You know, it actually, because if we want to make connections, it should be because we genuinely want to love and make connections. And from that, we, we pray, and we will get opportunities for able people to see Jesus, to be the light of the world. Being the light of the world doesn't just mean standing on a street corner shouting the gospel. In fact, I'm not even sure that is the light at all because usually it's just offensive to people. I'm not saying we never do it, but you, know, it's, you need to know what am I actually doing because if someone's on the street corner shouting about the church of wet wipes, it probably doesn't delight you. So, all in all, we are in church reset. But what that means is discovering what God is saying with what we have right now. And right now we've got our boats and our nets. And it may be changing from night to day. But the Lord is speaking and he's speaking to every single person because we are all in this mission together. Everyone has been equipped and called by God over the years. Now is the time. This is the day. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Have an awesome week. If you want to sow financially into Kingdom Faith, you can go to kingdomfaith.com and everything is there in a little button at the top of the screen. But otherwise, and to everybody, be blessed. Have a great week. See you soon. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.